Well, good morning. It's good to see you guys. It's good to be together on a beautiful day with friends uh, just to worship Jesus. What a privilege that we have. Would you agree with that? I want to welcome those of you who are joining us right now uh, from an off-site campus or maybe one of the venues here at the Long Point campus or on the internet. Uh, we're glad that you guys are along too. I'm not going to say uh, anything about the game uh, yesterday, Clemson, Carolina, other than to show you a picture. Okay, so you know I'm a Gamecock fan and I went to watch the game with my family and uh, this is what greeted me at the door, is four of my grandchildren, all in various shades of uh, orange, purple, whatever, saying, hey, Papa, go Clemson. And uh, so it was hurtful, but uh, I guess five and one's not bad. Okay, so here we go, here we go. What if, what if, what if I could give you three things that could totally change your life for the better? I mean, today, today, right now, three things that would totally change your life for the better. Would you be interested? Yes. Most of you would. Some of you are a little skeptical, okay, and, and rightfully so. We live in an age, especially right now, where products are promising more than they can deliver, where, you know, we're, we're starting to get stuff for diets for the first of the year where you don't have to cut calories or exercise, but it will, you know, change your life. And you're going, yeah, right. You're a little skeptical, but you're going, really? Three things, if, if practiced every day, would in, improve uh, your, your life by quantum uh, leaps. Now, did I mention it? it's not easy, okay? It's not easy. But you don't have to be an expert in each one of them um, to experience the benefit. In fact, you grow just a little bit every day, and the benefits will start to show up right away. Sound good? Okay, what are they? I'll tell you in a minute, okay? Here we go. We're in a series called How to Be Rich. And this has been kind of fun. It really has. It's not how to get rich, Okay, plenty of places will tell you how to get rich. That's not what this is about. In fact, the very first week we established the fact that in the eyes of the world, just about everybody in this room, or just about everybody who's, who's watching me right, right now would be considered rich. Okay, so it's not how to get rich. Here's the problem. We are rich, but because we don't feel rich, we don't act rich, and we continue to try to get rich. And so... so uh, we, we, a lot of us um, uh, are rich in kind of bad ways. Uh, you know, we're arrogant in being rich or uh, we think we're better than somebody else, whatever. And what we're trying to teach in this series is not how to get rich. It's how do we act with what we have, okay? And that's, that's been the whole, the whole premise of the series. And it's important because there are certain scriptures uh, in the Bible that are specifically directed at rich people and if we don't know that we are rich, then we'll just kind of let those scriptures go past us. We won't get the benefit that uh, God wants us to get. And we won't be rich in a good way. And one of those scriptures is the foundation for the series. And here it is. And I like to read it. Can we read it out loud? I know it's early. But uh, when I go away and I preach other places and we read out loud, I tell them that we do that in South Carolina just to prove that we know how to read. So let's do this. Let's do this. Let's do this together. Are you ready? Let's read. Because this scripture is for just about everybody. Most of us uh, are rich in, in, um, in the eyes of the world. So let, let's read it. Command those who are rich in this present world not to be arrogant nor to put their hope in wealth. Why? Because that's not how you be rich. That's not how you be rich, okay? Let's go on. Which is so uncertain, but to put their hope in God, that's how you be rich, who richly provides us with everything for our enjoyment. Command them to do good, to be rich in good deeds, and to be generous 
and willing to share. Now this next part is what we're going to talk about mostly today. In this way, they will lay up treasures for themselves as a firm foundation for the coming age so that they may take hold of the life that is truly life. Jesus said, I come that you might have life. I want you to have a quality of life that's unique. And it's not about what you have. It's about who you know, how you act. Okay? It's about who you love. And, and, and so today what I want to do is I want to talk uh, to you just for a few minutes about how to lay up treasure in the coming age so that you can take hold of that life, that life that's truly life. I want to give you kind of three practices. And uh, within those practices, we're going to give you some daily habits. So it's real practical today. Very, very practical. I, I want you to take it away. I promised you at the beginning, give you three things that would change your life for the good. And so, and so, and so we're going to give you some practical tools on how to do that. So three daily habits that you need to be rich in. And here they are. First one is you need to be rich in gratitude. Rich in gratitude. What does that mean? Why should I be rich in gratitude? Let me give you three, three things on that. Uh, the three things that gratitude does. Gratitude shifts your mindset. It shifts your mindset. For something to change in your life. Anybody here have anything that you'd like to see changed in your life right now? I mean, there's a circumstance, there's something going on, okay? So most of us do. For something to change in your life, one of two things has to happen. Either that thing has to change, your life has to change, or you change. And one of those you have no control over. And how do you know that when you take responsibility for something you don't have authority or control over, that's called stress. And so you sit here and you go, well, I wish this would change. I wish she would change. I wish he would change. You know, I wish the work situation would change. And you don't have any control over that. It might change or it might not. And so, and so, and, and so what you've got to do is you've got to say, you know what? I'm going to change my mind. I'm going to change my mindset over this situation. And it's biblical. Ephesians 4 and verse 23 says this. It says, be made new in the attitude of your mind. God wants us to be made new regularly in our attitudes. Every day, be made new in the attitudes of our mind. And so, and so how do you do that? Let me give you a daily habit. Daily habit is keep a gratitude journal. You know, so, some people will be formal about it. That's probably the best thing. Others kind of just kind of keep a mental list. You, what you do is you review the day. And you go, you know what? What, what did I have to be grateful for today? I'm going to build up this kind of this reservoir of gratitude. What, what situations came my, my way today that, you know, I really didn't deserve and they're, they're good? And what can I be gra- grateful for? Who, who just really sowed into my life today? Who, who, uh, what, what opportunities came my way? And so you keep a, a running journal of, of gratitude. Now, let me give you another reason that gratitude is important, that we become rich in it in order to sow into the future, is that gratitude creates solutions. It creates solutions. Adopting a gratitude practice uh, takes you out of problem uh, thinking and, and toward solution thinking. Anybody run into a situation during Thanksgiving week, the one week of the year that we're supposed to be most grateful, did anybody run into a situation where you were less than thankful? Anybody at all? Okay, all right, three or four of you. All right, uh, didn't happen this week. I, well, it's none of your business where it happened this week, but uh, <laughs> but recently uh, I was in an airplane. I find myself in an airplane more often these days. I'm, I'm speaking to leaders and pastors and um, uh, church planters and just getting to encourage them and 
And, uh, and, and so, and so I, I found myself in an airplane on a long flight in a middle seat. How of you know that is a blessing? In fact, I was one of the last guys to get on the airplane. And there were two open seats, as I remembered, on the airplane, both of them middle seats. And it's, it's kind of fun just to, to walk down the aisle because people who see you that are in one of those seats, they, they want you to die. <laughs> they really do. It's like, I hope he doesn't come here. Well, he has a medical emergency, and, you know, they haul him off, whatever. And I, you know, I'm uniquely, so you, or if you're sitting in one of those seats, you're always wanting somebody, you know, uh, small, thin, who doesn't talk. That's just kind of, kind of what you want. And I look like a short guy, but that's just from the waist down. Waist up, I'm about 6'5", 300 pounds, you know. <laughs> Big shoulders, all this kind of stuff, so I don't fit very well in a seat. And so I got into the center seat, somebody's worst nightmare. And as I sat down, I started to moan and complain about that whole deal. Why? why you know, it, um, a lot of times I'll get upgrades because I'm flying. And people actually pay for my ticket for me to come somewhere and encourage them. And Lord, I, I ought to be glad. I knew what the will of God was. Okay, here's what the will of God is. Take a look at this. This, this is what the give thanks in all circumstances for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. But I don't, I don't want to do the will of God. I don't care what the will of God is. I'm in a middle seat. I don't like being here. Yeah. <laughs> So I'm complaining and just a terrible attitude. And, and, then, and, and then it dawns on me, you know what, I can control the situation. I can get into a solution orientation or I can be in a problem orientation, have a long flight. Just possibly, God has people around me. He wanted me to talk to more than just one person on this flight. He wanted me to be encouraged, but not just to the pastors where I'm going, but to the people on, on either side. You, you know how it is. And, and, and so let, let me encourage you with this. What, here's a daily habit, daily practice, is just eliminate complaining. Eliminate. See, why does God want you to be thankful in all circumstances? Because it removes you from a complaining mode and into a best outcomes mode. Just a very practical thing. Look at uh, Philippians 2 and verse four, 14. It says, do everything. Do you think you really meant everything here or was that a typo? <laughs> My bad, I meant most things because not everything's good, right? No, it says everything. Do everything without grumbling or arguing. Wow. Wow. So that you may become blameless and pure children of God without a fault in a warped and crooked generation. I know people like that. Look at this. Then, this is what will happen. You will shine among them like stars in the sky. You want to be a star? You want to stick out at work? You want to stick out at school or on your team? All you got to do is not complain. That's it, because there are very few people in life who, who don't complain. We can put up about, with about anything if we can just complain about it. I mean, we agree with that. And so he says, and so he says don't complain. Gratitude, daily practice, just eliminate complaining. It'll improve your life. Gra uh, gratitude is contagious. It's contagious. Uh, a couple of weeks ago, somebody sent me a text, and they were grateful for my contribution in their life. They just said, hey, I'm glad you're in my life. You know, one of those deals. And I sat there and I thought about it for a minute. I felt really good. I thought, wow, that, that made my day. That really did make my day. And then, and, and then the thinking went like this. You know, you have the power in the little iPhone that you have. It's not iPhone 6 yet. It's iPhone 5. You were here a couple of weeks ago. Okay. Just a little one, small. And, uh, but you have the power in the contacts there in your list and the texting ability. You have the power to give several people the same feeling that you just had. And so what I did is I took about probably no more than 10 minutes, and I texted 12 people. I just went through my contacts, and I thought, you know what, God, Lord, show me 
Who needs encouragement today? And I texted 12 people. And you know what it did? It caused an epidemic. I mean, my, my phone was going off. Oh, man, I needed that. That's what I needed. Same things I felt. And somebody said, you know what? I'm going to do that to somebody else. How about that? What an incredible idea. Just this idea of gratitude, being thankful, and expressing that to somebody uh, being something that can Im improve everybody's life. And so here's a daily practice. Let me ask you this. What if every one of us every day tells somebody how grateful you are for their contribution to your life? Do you do that? Just a daily practice, small practice. Just every day tell somebody, at least one person a day, um, how grateful you are for their contribution to your life. I set up a little thing that will trigger me with five people every day. Five people every day. Just go through five people every day and just, just do that. In fact, during the response time in today's service, one of the things that I'd like you to consider doing is just doing that. It's just if you've got a smartphone or something that you can text with, you know, it, just, just take two or three minutes to say, Lord, who needs encouragement today and how can I be a blessing in their life? Okay, just a little practice of gratitude. So we need to, if we're going to invest in the life to come and live the life that Jesus has for us, we need to be rich in gratitude, rich in gratitude, okay? Here's the second one. Be rich in grace. Be rich in grace. If we're going to lay up treasure for ourselves as a firm foundation in the coming age so that we may take hold of the life that's truly life, we are going to need to be rich in grace. Now, what is grace? Grace is unmerited favor. Grace means you receive something you don't deserve. You receive favor that you don't deserve. And when you get that, it's so powerful. When you get this concept that, that God loves us and he, he's lavishing us with his grace and that we, we live our lives and we work our work not for favor but from favor. We don't work so God will like us so that we can have God's favor. We work from the place of favor. Now that'll, ch that'll change your life right there. But it's unmerited favor. It's God's grace to us. God has given us so much more than we deserve. Receiving forgiveness that you don't deserve. Would you agree that you've been forgiven much? Anybody here? You've been forgiven much? Here's the problem. The longer we're in the Lord, when you first come to Jesus, you realize that. Wow. Wow. And you understand that, that God, or you begin to understand that, that God didn't have to, but he gave his own son. I mean, I, I wouldn't do that. I'm just being honest with you. I used to go, well, I wonder if I'd do that. No, I know. I don't think I could. For somebody who didn't care anything about me, and the only way that they could have life and freedom was for me to have my son lay down his life, I'm not sure I could do that. That's exactly what God did for you. And when you, when you first come to the Lord, when you first come to Jesus, you begin to real, really, you realize that it's a revelation. It's like, wow, I'm forgiven. And then the longer we're with the Lord, the more we think we're more like God than we really are. And then you have a situation like what happened in Ferguson, Missouri this week. And you watch it on the television. And I don't care whether you're white or whether you're black. You experience some racial prejudice that you didn't realize was there. I talked to some of my African-American friends this week just to say, how did you feel about that? What was that? You know, I, I wanted to get a breadth of everything. And you know what? I think these situations, why do these situations happen? And what's the, what's the, 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 the end solution it's the gospel i don't know exactly how that applies in every situation but it's the god it's sin that gets us to where we are but you know what you, you know what i think that these situations happen periodically 
And one of the reasons is to give us a picture of how far we really are from God. And how much we need his forgiveness. And when we recognize and realize God's grace, then we're more apt to forgive other people. And to give grace to other people. And so, and so how do you practice this? How do you, look what the scripture says. Look what the scripture says. Scripture says, grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. To him be glory both now and forever. Amen. It says God's will is that we grow in grace and understanding, knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. That we, that we I, I think it's, I, I like to break everything down to as simple a, a thing as I can so I can understand it. But part of it is that, is that I, I get a better revelation of just how much God gave grace to me. Just how much, what, what Jesus really did when he laid his life down for me when I, when I didn't understand it, didn't need it. And it also means that every day that God's will for me is to grow in grace. Grow in my grace. And so, and so how do you do that? Well, think of the person that's hurt you the absolute worst in your life. No, don't do that. God, God can do that. Let's start, just start smaller. Okay, let's start smaller. Here, here's, here's how you grow in grace. Daily, daily practice. Daily practice. Um, is, I can't remember. Let me write it down. What, what did I say? How, how did I say it? I know what it is. Believe the best and forgive the worst. Just decide, okay, today, today, I'm going to believe the best. I'm going to have several opportunities. I'm going to see stuff on TV. People that I don't even know, and I'm going to believe the worst. That's going to be my natural thing. I'm going to believe the best. I'm going to believe the best. I'm going to see people at work. I'm going to see people that look different than me. You know, <laughs> I had a buddy say, say to me the other day that church would be a lot easier if we all, if we all believe the same thing. You know, and, but it wouldn't look like heaven. You, you understand what I'm saying? I mean, we have different beliefs. We have different ways of looking at life. We have different backgrounds we have all kinds of things so you're going to run into people every day who see life from through a different set of lenses you're going to think your lens is correct because you're the center of the universe okay and and what you're going to do is you're going to say you know what i'm going to believe the best about them and i'm going to forgive the worst believe the best forgive the worst daily practice okay so we need to grow in in um, in gratitude we need to grow in grace if you're going to uh, lay up treasure for yourself and take hold of the life that Jesus has for you here. And the third one is we need to be rich in generosity. Rich in generosity. Let's go back to our original scripture. Uh, this is the last, uh, last of the series on how to be rich. And, and, so, and so it says this. It says, command those who are rich in this present world not to be arrogant nor to put their hope in wealth, which is so uncertain, but to put their hope in God who richly provides us with everything for our enjoyment. He says, be rich the right way. Now, over the, uh, over the series, we've had kind of some confessions, some things that we're learning and things that we believe in. Con confession is good because sometimes you confess things before you feel things. Would you agree with that? Sometimes you've got to talk your way into a feeling. Anybody ever had to do that? Yeah. And that, sometimes that's what, what we got to do, and especially in this area, because this is a countercultural thing. We, we have a series, How to Be Rich. Oh, you know, what's, what, what's that about? And that must be for somebody else. And the first week we learned this, and here was our confession. 
God has blessed me with more than I need, so I'm rich. That's the definition of rich. If God's blessed you with more than you need, then you're rich. Let's say this out loud together. Can we do that? God has blessed me with more than I need, I am rich. Okay? So then uh, two weeks ago, we, we learned this. Let's do the second confession. But I will not trust in my riches, but in him who richly provides. That's how to be rich. Okay? I will not trust in my riches, but in him who richly provides. You know, if I was to ask you, why do you think God has blessed you with more, more than you need? What do you think the answer to that is? Well, because I'm smart. He knew I'd do a good job with it. Oh, not so much. I've watched you a little bit. Okay. Got a little bit of areas to grow there. Uh, well, because I'm an American. No, I'm not sure that's the case. Let me, let me tell you why I think that God has blessed you with more than you need. Um, it's verse 18. And verse 18 says this. Command them to do good and be rich in good deeds and to be generous and willing to share. Underline rich in good deeds and underline generous and willing to share on your outline sheet if you're taking notes. Okay? See, Paul is saying that we are rich so that we can be generous with our time and with our resources. And we could phrase it like this. Here, here's another confession. Okay? Here's the third one. Soon to be on the screen. Here we go. Because I have more, I will do more and give more. Let's say that one together. Because I have more, I will do more and give more. Now, when we talk about giving away our time and, and our money, it makes us squirm. It really does. Anytime I talk about money here, money or sex, and uh, sex is less personal these days. Uh, it's more money. Uh, we get, it gets quiet. We squirm. Uh, some of you may be thinking, I knew this was coming. You start talking about being rich. Next thing you know, they're in our wallets. Okay? So you get a good firm grip on your wallet. Somebody the other day in the, in the foyer said to me, I like this series. You're talking about how to be rich, but you're not after our money. And I'm thinking, not yet. You know? um, <laughs> Why do we feel that way? Why do we feel that way? Okay? Why does generosity and talking about generosity make us cringe? I've got some ideas. I, I, I think that church is at fault to some degree. It's because churches have distorted generosity, you know, with prosperity gospel. You know, give more so you can get more. And usually the preacher is the one that ends up with more. Okay, if you just watch those things, that's kind of how that works a lot. So we get skeptical about that whole thing. Or sometimes it's churches that preach a fear gospel. Give more or God will be mad at you. You know, if you don't tithe, God will smack you down. You know, you might as well tithe because he's going to get, he's going to get it whether you give it or not, you know. You ever heard a message like that? Maybe even in the early days here you might have heard that, but it's not true, okay. <laughs> or an obligation gospel. Give more because it's your religious duty. You should. And so we write the obligatory check, you know, or we serve our time volunteering uh, because churches have distorted generosity, we, we get defensive when giving is mentioned, and we never experience the joy that's the context of giving everywhere in the Bible. Uh, so that's one reason, it's because churches, but uh, another reason that we really squirm and we don't want to talk about is because we have a selfish gene. Does anybody have a selfish gene? I mean, l listen, <laughs> there's a brand new word 
Brand new word that's huge these days. You know what it is? Selfie. Selfie. When did selfies, selfies have been going for a long time, but when selfies really started to proliferate, whatever, what's that word? Pro proliferate. It's early. It started to become popular, whatever. Is uh, in 2010 when Apple came out with the iPhone 4 that had a front facing camera. I studied this a little bit and it exploded. 90% um, of all teenagers uh, have put selfies on Instagram. Uh, on Instagram, the hashtag me has over 90 million instances. I counted them all today. And uh, <laughs> we're a selfie generation, you know, selfie, me, 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 me. Uh, it, you, you know, what's first, what's first words that your kids learn? Mine, mine. I mean, we've got all kind of crumb crunchers. We've got them every age you want, up to seven years old. We've got herds of them, groups of them. And so at um, Halloween, where they give away all the candy, uh, some of our kids went out. I know that might creep some of you out, but it's all right, don't judge. Uh, that's what we do. And uh, we like candy, and so we went out and... Uh, and there were a couple of them that were about the same age. I have no idea. I don't keep track of that stuff. They're about this size. And, and uh, one of them had a problem holding a bag, something. I don't know what happened. But anyway, ended up without any candy. The other one, the, the other one has, it goes into the bag and is two-fisting, two-fisting just enough sugar to go on a high for weeks. Okay, two-fisting. And this, uh, uh, his cousin comes over to, to him and asks for one piece of candy. And you see terror in his eyes. If I give you candy, I'll have less for me. You can just see him doing that calculation, you know. And I went over and I, you know, arbitrated. And uh, <laughs> was that? But but I was thinking, you know, we think that's funny. We laugh with kids. Yeah, it's funny. That's what we do too. With our resources, with what God has given us, we, re, you know, if, if I give some of what I have, maybe there won't be enough left for me. We have a selfish gene. We laugh, but we do, we do the same thing. And then, and then we also, you know, not only do churches mess it up and we have this selfish gene, but we underestimate the fun of giving. See, being generous is seen as a chore. It's time to volunteer. It's time to pay my tithes. 2 Corinthians chapter 9 and verse 7. I love how Paul puts it here. He says, everybody, see coasters, everybody, you've got to decide in your heart how much you're going to give. And don't give reluctantly or in response to pressure. For God loves a person who gives cheerfully. Now, I, I, somebody said that uh, God receiveth from a grouch, but he loves persons. That, that's the revised substandard perversion. But he loves a person who gives cheerfully. And God will generously provide all that you need. You know, what, what if we really believe that? Then you will always have everything you need and plenty left over to share with others. That's, that's how to be rich. Being generous is fun. It's rewarding. Now, I'm not the poster child for generosity, but you know what? I'm working on it. I'm getting better every day. And giving away your time and your resources is a blast. When we do it together, it's even more fun. That's one thing I like about this church is uh, we get to tackle some, some fun things. I, I, I got to tackle for, for you guys. I got to tackle some fun things this week. Uh, 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 first, we dedicated what we call the, the dream home in, um, in North Charleston. And the dream home is a place, yeah, that's, that's a great thing. Let me explain the dream home. The dream home is a, is a uh, kind of an uh, interim facility for single moms. 
Uh, it's not a, a handout, it's a hand up. Uh, we take single moms and uh, we've got room for four at a time and for about a, a year if they need it uh, to come in and we, we, we uh, get, help, help them get classes on managing finances. We try to help them get a job. We uh, try to help them get some dignity. And uh, this is a cool thing. What happened was uh, one of our banks, TD Bank, uh, gave us a grant, not a loan, a grant. That means you don't have to pay it back. How many of you know that's good money? And $100,000, TD Bank gave us $100,000 toward this project. You guys gave probably at least that toward this project through your next giving. Remember a year ago, almost exactly, we said, you know what, we're going to give toward next, the next that's going on in our church. And uh, and, uh, and so it, this is a nice place, i got to tell you. I would move in here gladly, and I'm glad it's that way. I, it ought to be that way. And it was so much fun to, to cut the ribbon on that this week. And then, and then the next, next day, uh, we went to the Dream Center Thanksgiving, where we give, give out, um, this year, I think, 3,300 meals. It's fun to see, you know, you guys giving it a part of your, your Thanksgiving meal and some of you serving uh, helping traffic. It's just amazing how that whole thing works and, and putting together the food and giving away the food. That was so exciting. It was so much fun to be a part of. It could be quiet because it's fun to give. It's not something that we ought to do begrudgingly or let's don't talk about this. It's fun. And then some of the things that you guys don't even get to see. Um, several weeks ago, when the, uh, in the Middle East, ISIS was surrounding a community and killing the people that were there and, and um, the, the Kurds were being oppressed and Christians in Iraq. And some of you said, are we doing anything about that? And I said, you know, we are. We can't talk a lot about it right now, but we, we are. And our partner, uh, our, our partner over there sent us a video directly to us to show us what was going on right while, this is like within five miles of just horrible things going on. Take a look at this. I asked him to send us a video to show us what was going on with your resources. Hey, we're in northern Iraq right now in Kurdistan, and today we have distributed relief to a thousand refugees. We're providing sleeping mats, blankets, and food. And I just want to say thank you to your church for all the support and the help that you provided, the special offerings that you have taken. Thank you so much. It's because of you guys that this is possible. I'm telling you what, we're making a tremendous impact in their lives. We're providing a little bit of hope and expressing the love of Christ to these people by meeting their physical needs. And you're empowering the local church here. They're building relationship because of what this relief is providing. It's bridging away to that relationship. And we believe an opportunity for them to share Jesus with them. So thank you so much for your partnership, man. Together, I really do believe that we can bring hope in the Middle East. Isn't that kind of cool? Now, Jason Law invited me to come over. I said, no, you go ahead and do it. We'll be fine. We'll give. Okay? That'll be fine. We, we've created an Acts 4 fund here. Uh, so, some of us in the church that maybe have a little bit more margin have said, you know what? We want to give more than just our tithe, 10% of our income. We want to give more than that so that people who have less in our church uh, can, can be served and well served. And I'm telling you what, people who give toward the Acts 4 Fund are some of the most cheerful people in our church. See, when we realize that generosity is life-giving, um, I'm going to, to uh, uh, Israel uh, in a few months, and I'd love to take as many of you with, you, with me as, as I can. And you say, well, isn't it dangerous over there? It, really, you feel pretty secure over there, those of you that have been, been before. It's going to be a, a great trip, awesome trip, where you go where Jesus was. And uh, one of the places we visit is the Dead Sea, which is this, this 
this huge body of water where there's nothing alive in there, absolutely nothing alive. And one of the reasons there's nothing alive is because there's no outlet uh, for what water can only come in, it can't go out. And so uh, in order for th- there to be life, water needs to flow in and out. That's why in 2 Corinthians 9 and verse 11, Paul says this. He says, there it is, you will be made rich in every way so that you can be generous. Not just so you can be a reservoir, but you can be generous on every occasion and through us your generosity will result in thanksgiving to God. When I'm generous, it opens up the floodgates. I was talking to somebody recently who just started tithing, giving 10% of their income. They said, feels like I have a stake in the church. It's like I'm a part of all of the good things that happen. See, when we're generous, we're thankful to God. You say, thank you for allowing me to be a part of what you're doing. I, I, I want to do it some more. So, daily practice, how to grow in generosity, is decide in advance to be generous. Just decide in advance. Don't just go, well, you know, if I see this, you know, this moving video or if you know, I hear about this moving need, I want to be generous. No, 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 no. Decide in advance that you're going to be generous. How do you do that? My brother Jeff made a video uh, two, three years ago that, uh, that uh, I thought expressed it so well. I want you to see it. Take a look at this. So the question is, how can I learn to be generous? If I want to be rich, I have to learn to be generous. 2 Corinthians 9.7 says that each person should give what he has decided in his heart to give. So how do we make that decision? What should I give? Well, I need a system. In fact, the Bible gives us a system for learning to be generous with our money. Um, Leviticus says this, a tithe of everything from the land, a tithe. The word tithe is from the Hebrew word masara, and it literally means one-tenth or ten percent. So what the Bible is saying is that we should give one-tenth or 10% of everything that God gives us, we should give back to Him. Malachi 3.10 has something to say about the tithe as well. Malachi 3.10 says this, Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house. So what's the storehouse? Well, most scholars agree that the storehouse is the local church. And what we're being taught is that we are to bring the tithe, the 10%, into the church so that there can be spiritual food. So that's our system. A tithe is our, is our systematic way to be generous. But, but let me tell you what the problem is. The problem is the more that I have, the less that I give. And it's hard to believe, but that's, that's the truth. The more I get, the harder it is to give. Let's say that this year, I work hard all year long, and at the end of the year, I've earned $10. So what's my tithe? My tithe is 10% or $1. So I, I need to give God back one dollar. Well, I'll get that. That's not a problem. Here's one dollar. I mean, what can I do with a dollar? In fact, I tell you what, I'll throw in another dollar because you really can't do all that much with, with two dollars. But let's take a look at another scenario. Let's say that at the end of the year, I've actually earned ten thousand dollars. Well, now I owe, or now I need to return to God a thousand dollars. I have to sit down and write out a check for one thousand dollars. Wow, I can do a lot with $1,000. That's tough. Let's take a look at one more scenario. Let's say that at the end of a year, God has blessed me with more than I could ask or imagine. And in my family, we've earned $100,000. And when I sit down at the end of the year to give God the tithe, that means that I should give $10,000. That's a lot of money. There's no way. 
There's no way I can give $10,000. See, that's the problem. The more I make, the less I give. But that's not being rich, that's being selfish. And we're not gonna be selfish. Let me show you how this works. See, what tithing teaches us is it teaches us to put God first. Let me show you how that works. We're gonna let this pie represent how we handle our finances. Here's what we do a lot of times. Comes the end of the month, time to pay the bills. And so we uh, gotta cut a slice out here. And the first slice that we're gonna need to cut, it's our biggest part of our, of our pie, is we need to cut a piece out for our mortgage, our house payment. So nice big slice, nice house though. Wow, very impressive. So we're gonna get our mortgage out and uh, put it right there. Oh, bad news, adjustable rate mortgage. We're gonna have to cut a little more out this month. Sorry about that. Gotta hate it, huh? Then the next piece that we need is car payment. So we need to cut a nice piece for the car payment. But what's great is you look great in that car, you really do. And of course, Wife's car payment too, a little bit smaller. I mean, she doesn't need as nice a car as you do, does she? So we'll put that over there too. Yeah, there we go. Oh, went shopping this week. We had new clothes. That was great. Got to pay the credit card payment. So we're going to cut out a piece for the credit card bill. There we go. Right here. Oh, what about the kids? The kids are... Uh, they're expensive. Whose idea was that? I love the kids. Love the kids. But boy, by the time you buy the uniforms and you got the school bills and you got the insurance bills and you got the doctor bills and then the kids want to play soccer and get on the travel team. And oh my goodness, that can cost a lot. And then of course, we got to pay the uh, cable TV, the internet, the cell phone. I mean, that stuff really adds up after a while. So we got to pay that this month. So we're going to go ahead and take care of that right now. And, oh, look at this. Got something for the kids, uh, car, got a little left for me here. So we're just gonna, you know what? I'm just gonna slide over here next to the kids. They don't need that whole plate to themselves. That looks great. Oh, I forgot God, shoot. Well, it looks like we've got a little left here for God. So we'll give God, yeah, we'll give God the leftovers. Let me show you another way to do this. This is how we put God first, and this is how tithing helps me put God first in, in my life. Here's what I do. As I look at my end of the month bills, and the first thing I do is I say, you know what? I'm gonna take about 10%, the tithe, I'll take about 10%, and I am gonna set that aside first for God. About 10%. And get this out here. Yeah, we're going to give that to God. Now look, I've got 90% left. See, that's the other thing that tithing teaches me. It teaches me to put God first, but it also teaches me to have faith in God. Here's how that works. I've got 90% of a pie, and I've got 100% of a pie. Now I believe that 90% with God's blessing will go as far or further than 100% without God's blessing. In fact, there's a, there's a cool scripture in the Bible, Malachi 3.10. Basically, it says, bring the tithe into the storehouse. We talked about that a few minutes ago. And then it says, test me in this. God says, test me 
in this. Did you know that's the only place in the whole Bible that God asks us, invites us to test him? And what he's saying is, take the tithe, take it out first, and then test me and see if it'll go as far or further than 100% without the tithe. I'll tell you what I'm going to test right now. I'm going to test a piece of this pie. Man, this looks good. Mmm. I love me some apple pie. That good? So, so here's what I want to do. I want to challenge you to test God on this, okay? I want to challenge you to grow in generosity. Uh, in your bulletin, everybody grab your bulletin real quick. There's a card in here that's a, it's called, it says a 90-day challenge. Just a simple kind of way to take a step toward um, growing in this area. I had a, had a guy last night tell me uh, after church, said, you know what, I just, sometimes I do good, sometimes I don't. I need the stimulation. I need, I need the test. And we all do. We all do. It's a challenge for all of us. And so maybe, maybe you've never walked in this particular, you know, uh, obedience to God, or, or maybe you used to, or you've had a challenge with it. I want to challenge you to put God to the test, 90 days. What you do is you go, you know, for the next 90 days, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to test God on this. And here's, here's what we're saying as a church. We're saying, you know what, if God doesn't hold true on his promises of blessing, let us know, we'll give you your money back. Because we're not about, honestly, Seacoast, never have been, 26 years. We're not about what we can get from each other. It's what God can do through us. And that's what we want to do. I, w- I want to challenge you to generosity. And so take the, take the challenge. Take the t- test. Try it for three months and uh, no questions asked. Put this in the offering box. If you'll identify yourself, put it in the offering box. Uh, I want to send you a little booklet that was um, really helpful to me in this whole area of generosity. So let me, let me challenge you to do that. And, uh, and, and let's close this message down that seems to have gone forever at this point. Series is done. Let's review it. Three, three things we've learned at least. God has blessed me with more than enough. I am rich. But I will not trust in my riches, but in him who richly provides. That's how to be rich. Because I have more, I will do more, and I will give more. So let me ask you a question. At the end of your life, it's coming for all of us at some point, At the end of your life, will you have been rich? Will you have been rich in gratitude? Will you be someone who will be known as a complainer? Or one who literally started an epidemic of gratitude everywhere you went? Because you you stood out like a shining star. Because you decided, you know what? I'm not going to complain. I'm just going to eliminate that from the dictionary of my life. Will you be rich in grace? Will you take a grudge to the grave or will you be known as one who is quick to pay it forward with God's grace? Which will it be for you? And will you be rich in generosity? What about your time and your treasure? Will you die with just a great big pile or will you have leveraged it in the life to come by giving large portions away and making huge differences in others' lives. I don't apologize for challenging you in this area. We need to grow in gratitude, in grace, 
and in generosity. We are rich. And as your pastor, I want us all to do rich well. Does that sound good? Let's pray. Father, I thank you for your grace to us. I thank you for all that you've blessed us with. And we're not going to feel guilty about what you've given. We're going to be responsible. We're going to be good stewards of what you've trusted us with. And God, in the next few minutes, I just ask that your kingdom would come and that your will would be done here in this house and wherever we happen to be sitting, listening to this message. God, I pray that you would challenge us to response that would honor you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.